0: You know, I um, appreciate that reminder. I, I think that we can all relate to the upendedness and the unexpected of what we've just experienced. And, and I mean, you know, wow, uh, 2021, here we are on a the uh, doorsteps of a new year. Uh, and, and I guess I'm wondering what in the world just happened. Um, 2020, what was that? That was like a meteor that came in crashing into our sense of normalcy and and did any of us see that coming? I didn't. I didn't see that coming at all. A global pandemic that would that would change the way that we even connect with our family. That we would have to wear a mask uh, to cover up so much of of life. You know, not just our faces, but just the way we do things in, in quarantining. And you know, two of my children had COVID. And what did that mean? Were they going to live? Were they going to die? You know. What what is going on in the world, and and I, and that's really where we are right now. You know, not only of us, not not only did many of us uh, feel like a deer caught in the headlights, and we, we probably still do to an extent. Um, but we're we're all still trying to process life and what that's going to look for us, look like for us going forward in 2021. Uh, we're processing what just happened, uh, the life and the death. Um, of what has occurred and I don't use that word death lightly. Uh, I know just in the past week I've prayed with three church families that have experienced the death of their loved ones, including one who lost her brother yesterday morning to COVID, and her grand and her mother is not doing well in the ICU. Um, and and there's just a lot going on. Um, and, and it's 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 crazy. Can anybody else relate to that? I the only one who feels like things are crazy right now. Okay, so eight of y'all think things are crazy. The rest of y'all are good. Well, great. Okay, y'all are doing better than I am. But no, I, I, it's just nuts. And I think that oftentimes we kind of get numb to how crazy it was. You know, the first two or three months of 2020, it was crazy. And then it's like, what is going on? And we got tired of this, the honeymoon phase, whatever this is. Now we move on with life and we couldn't in cases got worse and, and this and that. But we've all, I think we can all agree that we've all been hit hard. By the semi called 2020. And we are glad that it's in the rearview mirror, maybe hesitantly optimistic because we know that we're not out of the woods yet. Um, but the heart of the church here, you and I here on Grand Avenue and in our community and beyond, the heart of the church is strong. Amen. Because our source and our savior is strong. And because God is strong, we have our strength in him. And we we realize that that we're vibrant. We're not just alive. We're not just, just a little strong. But we are actually vibrant. Because as Brother Randall Hamm reminded us last week in his great sermon that he shared with us, that God has given us everything that we need. God has equipped you and I. You see, that's one thing that makes us different than the world around us is that there's something not external happening inside of us. There's something internal flowing out of us. Jesus describes it in a lot of different ways. He talks about these, these wells of living water, this well being springing up, the Holy Spirit inside of us to give us what we need. It splashes out on our neighbors so that no matter where we go, the headlines don't determine our health, the COVID cases don't determine our optimism, Jesus Christ gives us, as we've talked about, this bulletproof joy, this bulletproof peace. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit is what is talked about in Scripture as. And and because we're people of faith, we do what Ephesians tells us. And we pick up our shield of faith. You know, one of the, the reasons for your shield is so that you pick it up and you use it as an instrument. That's why the word picture that Paul gives us when he's describing life and spiritual warfare is a shield of faith. And and did you know that your shield does not do you much good if it's left in the dirt during a battle? How many of you guys know that you've got to pick up your shield if you're in battle? Anybody? Let's think about this battle 101. There you go. That's the way it is for us as believers. So what we've got to do is we've got to pick up our shield of faith so that we. the Scripture says we can extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one. So if you're not picking up your shield, you're not fighting the way God has, has called you and equipped you to fight. Because as when the world knocks us off our horse, we get back up, we put up our shield, and we continue to do God's work in God's power. Not in my power, not in your power, but in a power that's bigger than we are, that resonates to the world around us. So they look at us and they say, what's different about you? Because everybody's world is in spin cycle of life right now. Everything's turned upside down, but you got a joy. I see you smiling. What is it about you? And you can share the truth of the gospel. That's what God has called you and I to give to the world around us. Because we remember, in the midst of this stuff that we're dealing with, we remember that with God, things are not always as the world appears. Okay, that's what faith does. Faith looks beyond the appearance of things. Because God is not limited by this world. And we are in God, or are in Christ. So we are not limited by the things of this world, if you're picking up your shield of faith, if you're choosing to believe what God has told you and live differently than the world around us. And, you know, when I think about the fact that God is always working, even in a screwed up world, even when things, you know, the headlines get crazier and crazier by the day, even in the midst of all this, God is doing beautiful work in the midst of all the mess. And, and, and I think about the fact that, that God uses everything for his glory, as Romans 8.28 says. And, and I came across this story that I want to start off with today uh, that reminds me that no matter how bad it gets around us – sorry about that – no matter how bad things get turned upside down in our world, that God has a plan and he's going to use things for his glory. And so this was written, um, Colin Chapman, in the case for Christianity, quotes Ugandan Bishop Festo Kivangiri's account of the 1973 execution by firing squad of three men from his diocese. February 10th, he says, the bishop says, it began as a sad day for us in Kabale. People were commanded, commanded to come to the stadium and witness the execution. Can you imagine Death permeated the atmosphere. A silent crowd of about 3,000 was there to watch. I had permission from the authorities to speak to the men before they died, and two of my fellow ministers were with me. They brought the men in a truck and unloaded them. They were handcuffed, and their feet were chained. The firing squad stood at attention. As we walked into the center of the stadium, I was wondering what to say. How do you give the gospel to doomed men who were probably seething, Rage. We approached them from behind, and as they turned to look at us, what a sight. Their faces were all alight with an unmistakable glow and radiance. Before we could say anything, one of them burst out, Bishop, thank you for coming. I wanted to tell you, the day I was arrested in my prison cell, I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. He came in and forgave me of all of my sins. Heaven is now open, and there is nothing between me and my God. Please tell my wife and children that I'm going to be with Jesus. Ask them to accept him into their lives as I did. End quote. The other two men told similar stories, excitedly raising their hands, which rattled their handcuffs. I felt that I needed I felt that what I needed to do was talk to the soldiers, not to the condemned. So I translated what the men had said into a language the soldiers understood. The military men were standing there with guns cocked and bewilderment on their faces. They were so dumbfounded that they forgot to put the hoods over the men's faces. The three faced the firing squad standing close together. They looked toward the people and began to wave, handcuffs and all. The people waved back. Then shots were fired and the three were with Jesus. We stood in front of them, our own hearts throbbing with joy mingled with tears. It was a day never to be forgotten. Though dead, the men spoke loudly to all of the Kigizi district and beyond so that there was an upsurge of life in Christ which challenges death and defeats it. The next Sunday I was preaching to a huge crowd in the hometown of one of the executed men. Again, the feel of death was over the congregation. But when I gave them the testimony of their man and how he died, there erupted a great song of praise to Jesus. Many turned to the Lord there. Amen? I mean, that just blows my mind how that no matter what happens in this world, you know, these men, were they did terrible crimes evidently. I don't know their full story, but they received Jesus Christ in the process. And even through their death, by firing squad, many came to know Jesus Christ and were healed eternally. And, and so that just, that challenges me When I'm faced with things that look really bad in my life, when I hear of news that is really bad, I know this sounds crazy, but now I get I get excited because I know that God's going to work something out because I choose to bring faith into my equation. And faith says that the world does not have the last word. Faith says that God's in control, no matter how crazy and upside down things look, that this is not the end. Because God is the God of the impossible. And so we as people of faith, that's what we we harbor within us. And that's what we let out to the world around us. Therefore, we're called the lights of the world. You know, as you and I stand and we peer across the horizon of, of 2021, this new year, the best news that I can give each one of us is that God is for us. That God loves us and God is never going to give up on each one of us. He holds each one of us. He's more intimately aware of everything in your life than you can possibly imagine down to the number of hairs on your head. You know, you think your iPhone calendar's got all of your facts and everything about you. No way. God knows it all. Scripture says in Psalm 139 that all the days for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. God is in control and He loves us and not only is He going to take care of us, but God has given us His very own spirit and power to help us navigate through all the uncertainties that we're going to be facing. You know, and and not only does God's Word tell us that He is with us, but God's Word says that He's going to provide for you and I. And not only does God's Word say that He's going to provide for us, but God's Word gives us everyday user-friendly autobiographical sketches and living examples of men and women who faced crazy stuff in their sphere of influence where they were strategically placed on this earth and oxygen was put in their lungs and they were given life that they went through a lot of crazy stuff a lot crazier than we're facing and God was with them and, and each one of these painted a picture of God's faithfulness just that we got through reading and the, I mean singing the worship team led us and that song of God's faithfulness And as we look at this new year what do we see? We see God's faithfulness, even from, from days past. You know, on top of all these autobiographical sketches of people just like you and I that have lived this, we also have daily Inspiration that we can relate to. So Scripture is not just information, but it's inspiration. And it's not just inspiration information, but it's also direction for you and I because God's given us a playbook for 2021. And that is a lot of what we're looking at in our latest sermon series. So we have this template of these instructions called the Bible so that life... Is, is very much within our grasp About how God has created us to live And God shows us to be That we have a purpose and That God has a plan for us And then if we bring together through the On the fulcrum of obedience God's plan and His purpose They all come together for us But we have to be walking in obedience We have to be picking up our shield of faith We have to be putting on the, the, the prescription lenses Called faith So that we see the world as God sees it Not just as we see it Through the headlines Or whatever comes our way God gave us all of this in our life, examples in Scripture, the direction from Scripture, the template of Jesus Christ, God's truth illuminated through through his skin and, and life, walking 33 years in ministry among us. God gave us all of this so that we can finish strong here on this earth because heaven awaits. It's not something that we can say, oh, we're going to start that next week. Yeah, that's, that's on my list of resolutions to be a good Christian, but I've got to, I've got to gorge some more of the uh, worldly goodies and junk food of the world. Then I'm going to get around to it. God, wants you to start today. The plan starts today. Today is the day of salvation, is what Jesus said. And, and, and he gave us all of this, even through the lens of a man named Paul, which is really where we're looking at for our sermon series for the, the month of January is the writings of this man named Paul who was recorded uh, in his historicity, his life story and narrative was, was encapsulated and detailed in Scripture. In fact, Paul wrote a large part of the New Testament and, and he did that because God did amazing work in his life. And you've heard me preaching about Paul. And one of the things I love about Paul is, metaphorically speaking, Paul shares with us his fumbles and his touchdowns. Um, you know, the good things and the knuckle-headed plays that he made. I mean, we've all made knuckleheaded plays. I know that I have. a screw up Dahlia, I feel like. But, but all that's included in Scripture so that we can understand that God uses everybody. Because Paul is authentic, and he has a radical story, a testimony. Because I, I love y'all in this room. I don't know you completely well. But I know that Paul is probably, his testimony is probably a lot worse than yours, uh, the, the worst parts of it. Because Paul was killing Christians. And his story went from killing Christians. This is a real life news. This is not somebody that we're just making up here. He went from killing Christians to then actually building churches. And, and so his story, that's part of his the story there in Scripture. And, and, and it, it tells us a lot, Paul's story. Paul's writings—they tell us a lot about the practical application of God's word. I mean, there's things that Paul talks about about if you have trouble with someone who's offended you, Paul addresses that. If if you want to know um, how to deal with sin in the church, Paul addresses that. Uh, how to have a great marriage, Paul addresses that. You know, how to pick out leaders in the church and and have uh, reliable, godly people around you. How to do that, Paul talks about that. How to lead someone to Christ on your street. Paul talks about that, just to name a few. But not just Paul's directives in Scripture that mention these things, but Paul's example teach us a lot about this man, and more importantly, teaches us about God. Because we see through Paul's, as I said, the football touchdowns and the fumbles, there's a lot that we can see about God's character. And these are a few of the things that Lauren Hutchinson, she, she did this really great podcast about this, and these are a few things that she talks about that we can see through Paul's life, about God our Father. One, God can use anyone. That's good news for me. Two, no one is beyond the saving grace of God, even if you're a murderer. It's okay if you mess up. That's another point that we see through Paul's life. Our past does not define us. We see that in Paul's life. The importance of having a daily quiet time with God. We see that through Paul's life. How to be content in every situation, whether you have a lot or you're chained and you're in rags. Just if you have a little... You can learn how to be content. That's what we see through Paul. And the finally, one of the last things we see about Paul's example and, and what we learn about God is, is how we can all stand firm in Jesus no matter our circumstances, which brings us to 2021 because it's here in this practical laboratory of, of biblical application is where we find Paul this morning, teaching us as we start our sermon series, um, as, as he's teaching us from of all places, he, he's imprisoned 61 A.D. Uh, he's imprisoned in Rome, and the charges against him is that he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul is is imprisoned, and, and he's writing these churches. He's not sitting there navel gazing, upset, having a pity party about, man, I can't believe that I'm imprisoned. This is terrible. How could God do this to me? He completely turns that on the other side and thanks God for the opportunity. That he can have a captive audience, no pun intended, of Roman guards that he can lead to Christ. Amen? How many of you guys should ever think about prison like that? Hey, these guys can't get away from me. I can share Christ with them 24-7. And not just that, but I can write letters to the churches I started, such as the church at Philippi, which was a a, a prosperous Roman colony, where he had some some very much to do with the church growing and, and and being built there as they were dealing. The church in Philippi was dealing with persecution. Because they were Christians. And Paul could relate to that. So he was letting his bad situation be turned around into glory to encourage others that were being persecuted. You know, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I imagine there's people in this room who've gone through cancer. There may be people in this room who have cancer. So maybe people live streaming and listening to us today, you've got a disease or something. Instead of sitting there and, and pointing the finger at God, use that as a ministry. And let God turn your misery into ministry, just like Paul did. Say, guys, it's going to be okay. God's with us, even when we're imprisoned. We can we can associate with Christ more and what He went through, when He gave up, in the suffering of God, just as you and I are suffering. And He can and let the Holy Spirit untangle the knots. And let the Holy Spirit project hope outside of your prison cell, whatever that looks like, whatever that is. And, and so, here in Philippians chapter three is where we we catch up with Paul. Who is we're going to be using this whole scripture segment? I'm fixing to read as a template for the month of January, as we unpack the principles of God, so that we can be strong in 2021. This is where Paul says, and Paul in the previous few verses to give you context has been talking about being like Christ. But Paul says in Philippians chapter three, verses twelve through chapter four, verse one, Paul says, "Not that I've already attained all this, or have already arrived at my goal." But I press on. Everybody say press on. Press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Did you know that Jesus Christ took hold of you? So that Paul has given us this amazing word pictures here. That he's taken hold of what God has taken hold of him for. And so that's how that that works there. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind And straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you Only let us live up to what we have already attained Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So so in our sermon scripture text today, we see a lot. That's like a lot of meat. That's a mouthful. He covers a lot of stuff there. And he's saying it with tears in his eyes as he's, he's Trying to get the word across here to these Christians. And here we are 2,000 years later in a different environment. We're not in prison. We're not facing persecution the way the early church was yet. But we are trying to do the best we can and flourish the gospel. And and Paul is is practically laying out the, the case and the directives of how we're called to live right by God. We're called to do certain things. We're not just saved for fire insurance to avoid hell. That's part of it. Thank God. For Jesus Christ, what he saved us from, but God has saved us not just from something, but for something. And that's really where Paul comes in with this great practical application, which it's important that we know what God expects of us. And so for the next few weeks, like I said, we're taking apart this segment of Scripture, and we're going to be looking at these following five points. How to let go this is the sermon we're starting today. It'll be today and next Sunday, learning how to let go. Number two is learning how to count the cost of what we're getting ourselves into with Jesus or the price of the prize. That's our second nugget that we're looking at. The third one is finding out where your head is. And we're going to let that speak for itself. The next one is learning how to stand firm in your faith. And then finally, learning how to keep the main thing, the main thing in your life. So today we begin, and I'm going to scratch the surface for the next couple of minutes as we start to learn how to let go. You know, um... I personally have never ridden a bull. I don't know if we have any bull riders here in the church. Um, but but it's always fascinated me, um, bull riding and rodeos. And and I remember one Sunday years ago, we even piled up the kids when they were little into the, the, the Black Bean minivan is what we had. And we piled them all into the minivan. We went to Birmingham to the BJCC to see one of the PBR, Professional Bull Riding World Championship rodeos. And that was awesome. That was awesome. Real for us. It really was awesome. And I've all, because I like this and I wanted the kids to be exposed to it because I've always been intrigued by someone who can courageously and willfully and perhaps illogically harness themselves snugly to a wild beast, sometimes weighing over 2,000 pounds. I mean, have you ever thought about what a bull rider does? Exactly. I mean, it looks kind of cool and, and even kind of. You know, gnarly and manly and romantic, this guy and this bull and, and everything, but I don't know if you've ever thought about really what those guys do, because it's craziness to me, and it's crazy in a good way and crazy in a crazy way, but but I even did some sermon research this week on bull riding, and, and I even started reading one of these pastor's sermons who told the story of an 18-year-old who was trampled to death by a 2,200-pound Brahma bull, and, and the rodeo and, and all that, and there, I even... Started reading some of the stuff about some Christian bull riders that have an amazing following, um, following Christ as they do their bull riding on these, these beasts of, of power. And, and, and it's just, it's hard for me to, to fathom personally strapping myself to all that mass of potentially fatal, um, hooves and muscles and horns there. And, and bulls like Bodacious come to my mind, and the reason why I say bodacious is because when I was doing a little bit of research about bulls, there was one bull that came to the top of everybody's story, and his name is bodacious. Bodacious has received the PBR, the professional bull rider's um, highest honor for a bull, and he's known as the world's most dangerous bull. That's him, and he's also known as the greatest bull ever to buck, And, and there's some things I started learning about bodacious. Um, and one thing about him that's unique is he's got a unique color. He's, he's yellow. He's a yellow bull. And, and I was going to show you all. I picked out a video clip, uh, one minute, so many seconds, video clip, and, and I was going to send it to Dave, our AV uh, operator in the back there. But as I watched it, I realized I can't show this because it was so graphic because of what Bodacious did to this legendary bull rider. I mean, they had to literally take him off of the arena in a stretcher because this bull went to talent him so much because they say about Bodacious, one thing that makes him so crazy good is that it's as if from his very first bull rider, uh, when he was just a young bull, he started, they said, and I don't know how they know this, but it's like he started studying the bull riders. So then he learned all these tricks that it's like no one could beat Bodacious. And not only could the bull riders, no matter how experienced they were, not only could they not beat Bodacious, but Bodacious beat them, quite literally. Because he wouldn't just buck them off, but he would go to town on them. And it was a really crazy set of articles and videos that I I came across. And and I could talk too long about this, trust me, believe me. Um, But the thing that fascinates me about Bodacious And the thing that fascinates me about the bull rider is the fact that the cowboy has to do two things really well if they're going to live through this ordeal called bodacious. And and those two things is that they've got to hold on as best as they can possibly and let go as best as they can very practically. And they have to do both of these things equally, wholeheartedly, almost at the same time, it seems like, for this eight-second run on this bull called Bodacious or whatever his name is. And and they're connected. The bull rider is connected to this thing that he has to be connected to, but he also has to let go of that can either make you or break you. And, And I thought about that, and I thought about 2020. And I thought about the similarities between 2020, COVID, all that went on in 2020, and bodacious. Because like life, we are all strapped to this thing like bodacious in our everyday world. Things that is constantly doing things to trick us, to make us fall off the bull. And not only fall off the bull, but come at us, like the semi-analogy that I used a minute ago. But as Christians... We, like cowboys and professional bull riders, are called to both hold on and let go of the action-packed dynamic called life. And and I know it seems like an oxymoron, but but it seems like the longer I I live in this Christian life of mine, I, I see these paradoxes that God calls us to, even Jesus himself. For example, you know, I don't have time to mention all of these, but Jesus said that if you're going to follow him, you need to die. Now, I can't imagine what that was like for the first disciples that were called to Jesus. And he said, come and follow me. And if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Now, we think that's kind of cool. The way that sounds because it's been over-cliché. But those early Jewish fishermen understood that it was a death sentence, the cross. It'd be like Jesus saying, hey, if you want to follow me, take up your electric chair and follow me. Take up your lethal injection and follow me. And these disciples were probably scratching their heads saying, what is this young carpenter talking about? But, but that's what Jesus calls us to, is a call to die and to live simultaneously on the same bull called life. You know, even Paul, what we just got through talking about, he said to live is Christ and to die as gain. Paul said I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live yet Christ lives in me. Jesus said if you want to find your life, you've got to lose it. And if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. What is going on? To find out. We're going to find out together because that's going to make us strong in 2021. Because, you know, I've learned not to be scared off in my Christian walk by the illogical or the paradoxes or even the hard questions in my life. Because God fills in the gaps between me and Him with grace and faith. Because the, the, this amazing thing called faith it goes between my logic and my understanding and God's understanding, and teaches me that faith is a catalyst, a catalyst that liberates me from the laws of nature and from the laws of this world, in a sense, the physical laws, so that you and I can do immeasurably more than anything we can possibly imagine if we choose to let go of our reason and our logic and the way we do things and say, Lord, I'm going to be obedient to you. And faith bridges the gap that takes us to those new heights with God. Faith opens up the possibilities. And that's why God chose faith to be so integral to your want with God. Because faith lets go of the possible so that you can grab hold of the impossible. Even if it's situations that, that seem impossible, people that seem impossible, God says, let me work. I'm bigger than this. Have faith in me. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and he will direct your paths. So and I know that's a lot that we've thrown at you this morning, but this is the, the, the beginning introduction, the preface to our latest sermon series. And I want to close with just a question and a challenge for you today. As we start to look at what does it mean to let go in 2021? And, and so, because you have to realize this, guys, letting go is a big deal to God. Letting go is a big deal of your Christian walk with God. And so, so the question is, what is it that God wants you to let go of today for 2021? Because you cannot be all the strong that God wants you to be. In 2021, if you're carrying dead weight. That's one of the reasons why we're starting this new Zoom class called Be Free. Because we realize that a lot of Christians are carrying around a lot of dead weight, their past. And they're not they're saved from, from hell, but there's a lot that God wants to save you from right now. That you're carrying around. Like a toolbox with 400 pounds in each hand, and you're trying to run a marathon called Christianity. So what is it that God wants you to let go of today? Because there is some things that God wants you to let go of. The secondly is the challenge. The challenge is for you to ask God, not just think in church, okay, what does God want me to let go of? But every day, three times a day for the next week, you can do it before mealtime, after mealtime, that might be a good time, whatever, ask God through the Holy Spirit, tell me what exactly I need to let go of today. What is it that you want me to let go of today? So don't just ask yourself at church, but the challenge is for you to take it home and make it your homework and make this personal. Because I'm telling you, this is the word for the church, for us to go forward and to fly as eagles. we got to let go of a lot of dead weight that the Lord wants us to. And I don't know what that, what that thing is. That's between you and God. I don't have to know. If you want me to work with you through it, I'm here for you. But is it a past sin? Is it a current sin? Is it a memory, a a picture in your mind, a trauma, uh, an event? I don't know. But there's some things that God wants you to let go of. Maybe some unforgiveness. Maybe some expectations. Maybe some broken dreams. It's time to check your baggage at the cross. Because Paul said, in essence... He said we have to let go so that we can move ahead to all that God has for us. So today you need to understand more of what John, the baptizer, said when he encountered Christ. And he said, I must decrease so that he can increase. So may we all do that in the grace and the love of God as we move forward into the new year that God has for us. Father God, I thank you for everything that you've called us to, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that that part of this Christian journey is letting go. It's surrender, Lord God. We know, Lord God, that healing, that transformation, it begins with a choice of surrender, of laying it down, of laying our life down, just as you did, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, my prayer for the church is, Lord, as we are on the back of bodacious of this radical life that is tossing and turning every day, God, help us to let go, Lord, so that you can steer us in the right direction no matter what the world throws at us. Thank you for the grace and the love that you give us in the process so that nothing is impossible with you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Let's all stand as we close today, um, and our worship team leads us in our closing song. Um, you know, this is a great place to come forward and to kneel at the altar and to lay something down if God tells you to. And I'd love to pray with you. Just put your hands out. That, that will signify to me that you would like me to agree with you in prayer. Or you can do it where you are. Or you can just come to the altar and, and seek God's face. Whatever it is that God calls you to, uh, God bless you and listen to the Holy Spirit.